Hi, hi, hi. You're listening to another episode of Inside the Tech System. I'm your host, David Chuka, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emmanuel Awutunde. Hey, man, what's good? Why did you pronounce my surname today? Is as like the I, weirdest thing. I always, I always pronounce your surname. No, you don't. And no, I always don't. do it right. No, I last time say- I heard my surname was, I don't know, I, I don't remember. <sighs> I'm joined by my co-host, Emmanuel. Hello, everyone. No surname. <laughs> How- is that is that better? Is that yes, better? Sounds sounds right. <laughs> yeah, just a troublemaker. So we have a very special guest in our midst today. We actually introduce our guests like they are preachers coming to preach. We have a very preach, special preacher. guest in our midst. Um, they have traveled far and wide, you know, spreading the gospel of tech, and <laughs> they're here on our podcast today. And we would just like to um say hello to Chidi. Chidi, uh, do we say Chidi Williams or, you know, Chidi's fine? Chidi is also fine, yeah. Chidi is good. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Chidi, you, you, we're actually very big fans of you. So uh, maybe after this podcast, you could give us an autograph or something. Would really appreciate How How does that sound? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about autographs, but, you know, they're, they're, they're friends, uh, so it's fine. All right, cool, man. It's, it's, it's really um, awesome to have you on the show today. We'd like to allow all our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, an introduction, how you got into tech, you know, just like let everybody listening know who you are. Yeah. Okay, my name is Chidi. I work as a software engineer. So I've I've been working for about three years now. I graduated in 2018 from Covenant, which... I believe both of you might be familiar with, a little familiar with. <laughs> and I've been I've been in tech for about as long. I work primarily as a web software engineer. And yeah, my journey into tech was probably the basic routes of someone learning about computers and going to university. So I didn't actually study computer science in university. I studied electrical engineering, but I was also programming on the side for a while, uh, while in uni, and then got a job at first in immediately after graduating from, from school and have been working as, an, as, as a software engineer ever since, yeah. That's nice. Uh, so, like, you mentioned that you didn't study computer science. Uh, you were learning software engineering uh, on the side. So, funny enough, like, we went to the same school, right? Uh, I went to Cornell University also. Uh, but my first experience or my first time, um, I think the first time we had like a real conversation was you were um, telling me about a particular um, algorithm in computer science. I was like, wait, you didn't, you're not studying computer science and you know this. And that was really fascinating. So, <laughs> which is, which is really nice also. Um, have you always been a curious person? I would say in some ways I I I'll say yes. I I generally find myself being, you know, like like I imagine a lot of people are curious about different things. I so I could I could talk a bit about, for example, how I started programming self, because I feel like maybe rush through that. But my journey into tech started out with started out first from childhood. My dad had a laptop he had for work. And I think at some point we also had a desktop in the house, but it didn't it didn't last very long. It wasn't very 
usable or useful. But at first, my dad used to work with a computer for his you know day to day activities, and I used to spend some time in the in the evening playing around on it and using Encanta Kids, Encanta Premium, learning about different things there. And then in SS2, I my dad came back one day. I think I've spoken about this in my blog once. I talk about it. My dad came back home one day and he had a CV with programming language compilers. Yeah. So it was a collection he got from he bought from Computer Village. And wow. he had yeah, he had the basic Fortran, Pascal, and one or two other old time languages. He had the compilers and interpreters for them, as well as manuals for how to set them up and use them. And my learning was almost completely based on that CD. So I, I, I can't remember if at the time I had access to the internet or other resources outside that. But I remember that primarily I was just working on that, working in that programming environment on the CD and with the manuals myself. So it was a bunch of PDFs loaded on the CD or a bunch of text files on the CD, as well as the a basic compiler and then it had manuals of how to first write your how to write your first basic program 10 print hello world that kind yeah. of thing in yeah. basic and fortran and pascal and i spent quite a number of evenings working on it so playing around i i, I didn't think i considered it work at the time but it was it was mostly me just playing around with this manual and CDs and at at the, at the time I also didn't know how to Google or find other resources. Sorry, so do you I remember how old you were? I was in SS2, so I was probably fourteen. Okay, okay, fourteen, right. maybe thirteen, late. Okay, older thirteen, probably fourteen. Yeah, so at the time I don't remember if how how much I knew about googling. Okay, so I, I knew the internet at the time, because now that I remember it, I think I joined Twitter right about that time. But I, I don't know if I knew that you could learn about programming online by Googling how 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 to program. So I remember correctly that I went to, or by the time I got to the chapter on colors, so you can add, you, you can make a basic GUI and then add colors, add the, I remember the text chapter was easy to understand and some of the earlier chapters were easy to understand, but I got colors and then I couldn't progress any further. I didn't understand how to manipulate colors with basic language and I stopped. And I didn't pick up programming for a while after that point. The very next time I programmed after I got stuck on this CD I started out with was in 100 level. So mm-hmm. in 100 level in CU, like, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I did elect in CU. And again, that was, I didn't do computer science because I think we felt, and by we, I mean my parents, my parents, I, I'm not sure how much of an influence I really had on it, but I think they felt it was more, it would be more useful to be an engineer, but it would mm-hmm. be more, not useful to be to be a broad a more broad education to be okay. an engineer than okay. to study computer science. Yeah, they wanted that extra 
engineer in front of my name, I guess, or something similar that I can learn about electrical engineering. And then if I wanted to still continue programming, I could also do it. So that was generally what the thinking was behind my studying elect. But back to how I spent my curiosity about programming in 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 university in hundred level during the I think it was during the long break between hundred and two hundred level. I I'm not sure, I, I can't remember what prompted it, but my my mom knew someone my mom said she knew someone who built websites. And again, computer village comes up a lot in my I guess my life story. But she knew your, someone. Your origin story. <laughs> Maybe you tell our audience yeah. computer villages. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, do, do you want me to? So computer villages for the I guess for the non-Nigerian. No, non-Legosians. Non okay, okay. For the for the non-Legosian listeners, Computer Village is a large, as the name implies, village. <laughs> I think this but is the it, first time a... <laughs> anyone would ever describe Computer Village. And I, I didn't think it was possible, <laughs> but here we are on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a very large market where you can buy things related to computers, generally. They sell CDs, laptops, phones. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, you name it. Whatever whatever it is that runs with a computer, you'll probably find it somewhere in Computer Village. And it's in Lagos, right in the heart of the city in Kedra. So my my mom said she knew someone, some way, who made websites and made websites for I think small businesses at the time and he was in Computer Village. And if I remember correctly, he paid she she paid him ten K to teach me how to program for a month. So I I I I lived maybe 40 minutes an hour away from Computer Village. And every I think it was every day except Saturdays and Sundays. I would take a bus and go to Computer Village and stay with this guy in his shop where he was doing some other things. I guess he he may have been selling computer-related things, software-related things as well. And he had this small laptop where he was running PHP Storm and was building PHP websites for people. And then for a month, he taught me how to write HTML, CSS. I don't think I did any JavaScript, but he taught me no, the basics of making... Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he taught me the basics of making a very simple... A very simple website. Was it responsive? It was. (laughs) Funny enough, I remember almost exactly how that first, the first website website I made looked. But it wasn't responsive. It was. It also wasn't that terrible. Okay. Yeah, it it wasn't the kind that nothing responds at all. But it also wasn't fully built out, mobile responsive, perfect, pixel perfect type of website. But it was okay. And that was when I took up programming again after that experience for a month. And I went back to school and obviously there were the other demands of being in school and doing my 
electings that weren't always or were rarely related to programming. So I did only a handful of courses that were related to programming in CU, in Covenant. But over time, I I was basically writing programs on the side. So there were a few organizations in CU I was building websites for, um, making websites for working with other people in in CU who were in elect or in computer science in my sets and we're building websites together. And yeah, that was that was that was the I guess journey throughout uni. And like I mentioned earlier as well, after that point I applied and joined a software company, a startup a, a software company in Lagos. And I worked there for two years before moving. So well back to your question because I know you the, the the very first question was about curiosity and all that. But I, I guess my answer in some way touches on that and touches on how exactly historically I followed curiosity about programming. At, at at first it was mostly about there's this thing called a language and called a compiler you can type out your code into and do fun things on the computer. You can see colors appear and you can make a Q&A robots looking thing. You can ask questions and what's your name? And you type out your name and you say, your name is Chidi. <laughs> you are N years old and so on. So for me in the, in the early days, I was a lot about that. And then after that point in CU, a lot of it was just me learning about websites and how to make web apps and my very first websites, like I mentioned, were in HTML, just HTML, CSS. And then I learned in JavaScript and then I learned PHP and got into Laravel and writing Laravel. And over time, my, 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 my courses have just taken me to different places just around web development and programming in general. Uh, Chidi, I would have never guessed that you ain't web because <laughs> I don't know for some reason like you know I'm not like Imano we didn't go to the same school um I followed you I know you through Twitter and I follow you on Twitter and all of that mm-hmm. but like nothing you post about says oh I'm a web or oh, I did a lot of web right you just strike me as a <laughs> I don't know it's you're just like yeah. you, exactly exactly that's what I'm looking for <laughs> It's likely like someone that, you know, looks at web developers like, this one's, yeah, no serious. We're building the future here. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> you guys are oh. moving pixels around the screen, right? Oh, so, no, 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 not, not, not at all. I, web development is very serious. It's, it's extremely serious. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have, I have done web and web adjacent programming probably all through my career in quotes. Okay. in programming so yeah i'm definitely that although i also spend a lot of time on general computer science type of things or general programming okay. type of types of things and yeah but i like web web is web is where i spend a lot of my time on oh thanks man for the validation i'm, I'm so grateful you said <laughs> that um web developers you guys here we're serious so <laughs> so when you were talking about um growing up and some of the things that you learned, like your parents, you know, giving you textbooks, CDs and stuff. Would you say like those things were um, crucial to to like the outcome of your curiosity? Like 
if your parents, for instance, never maybe took you to computer village or never gave you any CDs that had to do with computer science, would you, uh, do you think you would be doing computer science or would you be doing something different, but, but you used to be a curious person? I think that early part of, or that early part of my life where I was learning about programming by feeling around with programs at home were definitely crucial. And I'm not sure I can see how I may have still gotten to programming without that. So yeah, I think I think it was definitely important. But I would say there were also there were also a few opportunities in my life where I may have not turned out to be a programmer, I guess. Like like I mentioned, I studied lecture engineering and there was a time where it it, it was possible that I would have become an lecture engineer, whatever that would have looked like. I did Besides the first month I spent, besides the one month I spent in my first year learning about programming, many of the internships I did in uni were elect-based. So in my, I I think in my second year in the, again, the holiday between my second and third year, I think, if not third and fourth, I worked as an electrical engineer in a factory. So yeah, I, I have I have a I have a few funny parts of my of my career. You've lived many lives say, that have that have not been. Yeah, I I wouldn't say it is. I I wouldn't say there are many lives because I probably did not do them as long as okay. you know a life. But yeah, yeah, I've I've experienced. Yeah, there there've been a few weird funny types of experiences. But anyway, for for. For a month or so, I interned in a factory, in a pharmaceutical factory in Ikeja, in Ogwa. I don't know if you know Ogwa, where there are a lot of these bottling factories. Yeah, but, yeah. but there's this large industrial area there in Ogwa. Yeah. So in one of those factories, for a month, I was a guy who went to work and put on a jumpsuit and was carrying wires around and following the... <laughs> Moving yeah, the lead engineer <laughs> um, trying to turn spanners on boilers and chillers and all that. And I, ha- I had a very funny, I like to deny the story because it, it, it does sound funny, but I had a funny experience there where I remember very clearly one day I was working on, on the factory and we were, we were, we were supposed to wire a part of the ceiling at the top, right? And the person I was working with was I was I was standing on a ladder, right? Leaning on the wall of the factory. And the person I was working with was standing below and we're passing wires. And we're trying to carry up the wires to the top of the to the top of the ceiling. And there was a moment where a lot of smoke from inside the factory got out of the factory and basically blasted on on me at the top. Oh, and wow. I always tell that to you that it was at that moment I knew I was going to be a programmer. <laughs> at that moment I realized I'm never going to be Yeah. <laughs> I, wow. I I knew I knew it it, it wasn't exact obviously it wasn't exactly at that moment, but I, I it was very clear at that point that This is not what I, I want, want to do with my life. Stay in an office. 
Yeah. Yeah. I want or to stay at home. in an office in AC. Or <laughs> or at home and press keyboard and type type out letters on the keyboard and work as a software person. I, I, I don't think the physical activity type of work is necessary for me. But in any case, yeah, that, that, that was just to say that I, I spent some time working, obviously, in the path of being an electrical engineer and not a programmer. So, but, but I think that, yeah, back to your question, those early moments were definitely instrumental for me. Mm. Yeah. So, like, this episode, we want to discuss basically how Chidi, as a person, has become curious how... He learns different things. Uh, we're actually inspired by his by his um by his website. He writes a couple of he writes like great articles. So I personally I bookmark a lot of your articles, and that is not something I do like a lot. Like for instance, if I go to medium.com and I look for like tech articles, I browse through a lot of them because a lot of things these days are just like copy and copy and paste or some kind <laughs> of like basic information, right? Exactly. Those click, clickbait. I'm one uh, of them. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go through tdwilliams.com, like, I, like, you know when you're reading a book that is very basic, right? You, you are likely very fast at reading it, you know? But when you read something a little more complex, it takes you time. You have to settle down. Like, sometimes I have to, like, like put in my headphones and play lo-fi beats before I can read some of your articles because I need to concentrate. So, like, what inspires you, you know, to write these articles? And like, where do you get your, I don't know how to to ask you, like, where do you get your source from, like your source of inspiration to be able to come up like with really good articles? Well, first, thanks for the, thanks for the compliments for my, on, on, on my articles. I, I, I mostly blog about things that I'm learning at the moment or things that I found interesting. I, I wouldn't really consider myself a writer or a blogger in the sense that um every in, in the sense that periodically I, I I write or in the sense that I I have a target of number of things I put out or how frequently I put out. It's not something that I consider a full time effort on my end, but it's a byproduct of some of the learning I'm doing. So I I, I tend to a lot of my art schools tend to reflect say books I'm reading or technologies I'm learning about and that's where that's where a lot of them a lot of them come from but there's also been a bit of a conscious effort to try to write in a way that helps people or in in, in a way that like simplifying yeah like 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 simplifying like trying to actually teach in, in, in some way. So yeah, there's you can you can write in the sense that you're say writing for yourself or writing just to produce to 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 have something that's a result of something you're doing, but it isn't necessarily necessarily to teach someone else. But um some of my writing has just because there've been a few people who have reached out to me and told me they found something I wrote interesting. There's also over time been an effort on my end to use it as a way to teach and hear something I found interesting. But 
this is how you can also learn learn about this thing. Yeah, I actually agree because <clears throat> I think I read a couple, maybe one or two. I'm not like a manual. I can't concentrate through all of them. Some are actually really conk. I'm like, okay, I think I still need a couple of years to get to this stage. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the pattern in which some of the articles take is like, you can actually tell, you know, he's learning. He's actually telling you that, oh, this is what I'm currently learning right now. Uh, this is what um, I've, this is what some of my research says. None of that, right? And I think it's interesting, but I like to know because you just mentioned when people reach out to you and stuff, you'd be like, oh, wow, people are actually reading my stuff, right? And then it, it clicks in your head that, oh, I think I should actually, you know, put in some work to make this thing look like, I uh, know, I'm I'm one of the, you know, craziest out there. But I'd like to ask if anyone has reached out to you that, oh, would you like to write for our platform or something like that? Because I feel, it feels like you just have one blog, chilliwilliams.com, so you don't have, you don't write on multiple platforms or you don't do, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I, I, I mentioned this earlier as well that I, I wouldn't say I'm a writer in terms of it's something I I do. It's not something that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reaching out to publications to write for them. Um, primarily a software engineer. So the writing yeah. I do is on the side and to... I guess support that in some ways, but there has I think there has been one time an organization reached out to me to write for them, but it wasn't. It, I didn't take it up. I wasn't interested in in writing for them at the time, and I don't think I am generally. But my writing is more. This is something I'm building or mm-hmm. reading, and less of writing as a full-time writer okay okay all right so chidi uh we mentioned earlier that this episode was we're going to talk more about learning and i also said if someone told me you were a web developer i wouldn't have ever believed it because you in fact i don't know you just you just give off a different vibe if you had a had a career in web development because even Imano's um first um perception of you it may, it may not be the same too because Emmanuel was like <laughs> when Emmanuel was telling me how he met you he was like oh no he helped him solve an algorithm question and that was pretty interesting but I've come to learn he doesn't remember <laughs> he can't he, he's, he has I, too many fans let me, let me check you are just I one of them remember <laughs> we were in we were in um, that's Emmanuel let it go I had internet Wait, no 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 <laughs> I had like good internet and lights I think we were like third floor is this CDS they call it uh, that research building What's it called? Cookrid. Yes, Cookrid. Yes, when you're in Cookrid. Yeah. Um, I think you were in 400 level. I was in 300 level or 200 level. There was this thing called programming school. Um, mm-hmm. We stayed back after like the semester. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember. So I was, they, they gave us something to do, like to build like an e-commerce website that had, that sorted like items based on categories. And then I was struggling with the algorithm and I think he helped me out with it. It was in Cookrid. Oh, that's nice. You don't remember. That's 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 nice. I I can I can vaguely I can vaguely remember. Serpentine. Do you remember anything called Serpentine? No. Oh nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Emmanuel is trying. Emmanuel is trying his best here, man. <laughs> you you you're, you're you're. To be fair, you're not alone because I also one of the first people I one of the first people I saw programming in CU also didn't remember. Or, or maybe doesn't rem- doesn't remember as much as I did, 
and Benjamin Dada, who is also wait, he wrote who, good. Oh my, he, are you exactly, serious? I, I, yeah, oh, that's yeah, an I, interesting I, origin I, I story. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, so he's 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 obviously more known as a tech journalist yeah, now. Yeah, but but at the time, the first I, I think that may have been the first time I met him, or one of the first few times. I he was doing his final year project. I think he did he did MIS, and he was doing his management information systems. He was doing his final year project, and I remember quite clearly that like, he was writing Laravel, and it was one of the first few times I saw someone. Yeah, actually, like in 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 CU, who who was building a web app or building websites, and wow. he all seemed so nice and fancy and all that. Um, Benjamin, I'm not sure how well he remembers this, but yeah, Benjamin Dada, exactly. If we yeah. have him on the on the show, we'll jog his memory a bit. Don't worry, <laughs> for your sake, Chidi. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so well, we're we're talking about learning and how basically it looks like you know a. A, a myriad of things like you, you, you engage yourself in a lot of things. Like you know, I said you've lived different lives, but like in learning, also you've lived different lives and learning. And I wanted to know how you manage, you know, learning different things and ideas, probably at the same time, because it feels like you know you could write a very comprehensive article about Go, and then write another one in JavaScript, and then write another one, you know, in another language. I'm not sure how many languages you know, but you tell us that on the show i hope so you know how do you how do you start out like what's like your framework for learning something like if you want to if you see something cool this this might be a fun language to kind of delve into what's like your framework like okay how do i attack this and how do i um be be in a situation where i can actually write something and people will read it and people will say oh this actually really helped me yeah so i i think i should first say that the the primary driver behind I'll say my blog and some of the things I learn about and do is just curiosity about things or finding things interesting. Mm. I I tend to I, I know it probably sounds cliche because there are a lot of tech people and there a lot of wine tech and tech tech is quite a common career path and common thing people do but i was gonna say i i personally enjoy writing code and being in tech and like learning about tech and just it by way of learning about computers and working on computers for a long time i i just like it simply and 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 in, in plain terms I, I i i quite like learning about like languages and learning about how computers actually work and there's this there's this uh, funny line where you know there's all the hype about web3 now and about new things happening in the web but i'm still fascinated about web zero or web one or computer zero (laughs) which yeah before the new things happening in web and fascinating things people are building every day yeah you know some of the very basic things i still find quite interesting to to learn about it, it's computers are you know i, I find them just interesting mm. to work with and like learn about and build i, I think there's something really nice that human beings have built here so yeah that's that's that's, that's i should say the 
primary thing behind why I like to write code yeah. or learn about programming or computing and all that. Yeah. But to your question about the process, I would say that I, I, I may not have a fully general or structured approach to learning things, but I found a few things that tend to work well for me. And if you would, if your if if your question is more directed towards how other people can also learn things, I would say it's important to find out what works best for you first. That that, that would probably be as general as I can go with, you know, talking about learning. But in 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 my case, for example, I I tend to like two things. So one is I. I enjoy reading or, or following YouTube videos. Um, I like YouTube a lot, actually. I I I, I find that people who, yeah, I find. Do you have premium? Oh, I've I've had I've had premium for I've had premium. For <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. Some people I've on Twitter, some had, people on Twitter swear I, that they will never yeah. get premium. Like YouTube, you can hit me with seven ads. I promise you. I. I. <laughs> I I I saw that recently where Elon said he doesn't have premium. Yeah, I I, I for Elon me it's a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for for me it was a no brainer because I, I spend I spend quite quite some time on YouTube like doing stuff mm. or learning things there or even just for entertainment. Okay. So I, I get a lot of value from having premium and not seeing ads every three minutes. Three minutes. Someone actually well, said that YouTube <laughs> is trying their best to, to to get you to pay for premium with those ads because there are yeah. so many these days. Yeah, it's, it's intentional now, yeah. of course. Yeah, cool. So I yeah, I was saying that I primarily learn through two channels, is if one way to put it, but one is through YouTube. Um Especially earlier in my time learning about programming, I, I spent a lot of time on free code camps channels and some other channels on YouTube that were teaching how to, for example, intro to Go. And yeah, I find I find some of those tutorials very direct and I I I like learning from them. So I used to spend a lot of time just, you know, watching lots of YouTube tutorials and following along. And then I've also spent some time learning through books. I also like reading through either physical or digital books about programming and following along. But I think behind both of those two modes of learning, I think something that's always that, that's that's important for me in either case is building something along, and it's probably the the bridge between both of them. I, I think it's, it's it's been really important for me that when I'm learning about something, whether it's a new language or how to use a new framework or how to build some type of thing, that I actually make something. Yeah. Because I think there's a certain shallowness to learning where you look at some text. You know, you know when you read a blog and or you read a tweet and it gives you a sensation that you know what he was talking about, but you actually don't. If you if you try to reproduce it a day after or a week after, a month after, you find that you've forgotten most of mm-hmm. most of it. And 
at some point I, I picked up on that where I would briefly glance through something or skim through some post or some text about something. And when I actually tried to explain it by myself or try to reproduce for myself, I wouldn't be able to. So over time, I've learned that something that works quite well for me is building in 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 line with what I'm actually learning. So over the last six months, for example, I, I'm I I've been working on a book. I've been reading through a book, Crafting Interpreters. Um, I'm not sure if yeah either of you probably have seen that. I may have tweeted about it or. I've also been blogging about it as well. Okay. But it's a really it's a really good book and I I recommend it a lot. It it's on how to make your own. Bob Nystrom. Okay. Will, yeah, okay. Robert Nystrom. He is he is a yeah, he 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 used to work for Electronic Arts, the eSports FIFA oh, okay. FIFA company and a ton of other games. He worked yeah, he worked there as a game developer for for almost a decade, I think. And after there, he left to work for Google, and he works on Dart, the Dart programming language behind Flutter. Yeah, so he 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 works on the Dart programming language, and he wrote this book called Crafting Interpreters, on that teaches you how to write your own programming language, and it's, it's very it's very interesting. Um, although it's quite a large book, something like six hundred plus pages, it took me I don't know six months plus to go through. But I quite liked it. But to the point I was making earlier, you can spend some time reading through something like that and find that six months after or a while after, you don't quite remember as much as you wanted to. You can't quite do what should be the result of what you learned. But what help, what has helped me or what helps me as I try to learn things, I try to become better as a software engineer is trying to build things as well and trying to say this is what this text is talking about and I build along with it and I also try to extend it in some ways. And it's it seems when when you say it like that, it does seem obvious, but I I, I think sometimes it's not as obvious and sometimes it's you know, I'm trying to learn something, but mm-hmm. I'm actually not creating on the side at all. Yeah. yeah. Apart from the fact that it's not as obvious, I think it's the most difficult thing to do, actually. To decide that, okay, if I'm learning something, I'm actually going to be building this. Like, building is hard, right? Building is very, very, very hard, actually. And I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people do not, I don't know whether they don't know that building is hard or they've never built anything in their lives before. But, you know, building something is, is not is not the easiest I'm tasked a hand most times. So I want us to know what kind of uh, projects you enjoy working on. Because, you know, if you are learning something, you think, oh, I'm going to channel this learning to something and build something that, you know, what kind of projects um, comes to your mind at first, right? When when you uh, maybe pick up a new language, you know, is it to-do list or <laughs> is it you want to build a blog or <laughs> you want to build your own interpreter or your own uh, programming language? You know, I like to. Yeah, so I, I think one of the best things, at least one of my favorite things about programming is you can see what you're building in almost real time. I think compared to other ways of 
making things or building things, there are some there are some modes where you don't quite see what you're doing. But programming isn't really like that. When you, especially if you're working on things like web dev mm. or visual kinds of programming, yeah. you have almost a direct, immediate feedback, feedback yeah. on what you're building. Yeah. And I, I, I find that a lot of my favorite things to build are things like that. Where I'm learning about something, but I want to see it somehow. I want to interact with it. Mm. I want to use a mouse and drag something into something else or have that visual tactile feedback with, with what I'm building. Mm. So a lot of things I, I try to build tend to be of that form. Yeah. So there was a, at some point last year, I got interested in 3D programming. And for a while I was learning about how to use 3D libraries on the web. Yeah. To build I things, think I remember that. And for things like that, it's almost, yeah, exactly. For things like that, it's almost a given for you to learn by making something you can see and interact with on the web. Oh, okay. That's that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Um, me personally, I like to do lists. Um, hope I don't get, hope I don't get dragged for that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you personally like uh, manage this? uh slightly different ideas um do you do it like sequentially where okay for this next few months i'm going to be learning just one thing then after i pick up something else or do you ever work in parallel like on two different ideas probably more in parallel than sequentially and not because i have a grand plan or strategy I I I don't um, I I don't have a I don't have a a page where even I've probably tried a few times before to make something like that to make a learning plan for the year or for the next six months. I my my, my timelines are yeah my timelines are probably a bit shorter than that. I probably know maybe a month ahead or in the case of well a book like Craft Interpreters I. I did plan to finish the book and for a book of that size, it was going to take several months. So it was a bit of an upfront plan to go through that and learn about interpreters. But there are, there are things that might come up that I just find interesting and I want to learn about or do and that distracts me. So, and, and I, I wouldn't even say that that's the best way to do it, but it's just the way that I found I like. Because it's, it's it's probably most important that, or at least to me, that what I'm learning is something I'm interested in and not something that I have to force myself to learn and do. I already have a job for that. Um, I already have... Oh. You know, <laughs> I already have other more... other responsibilities for learning. Like, the, the, the things that I try to do for myself or do on the side... I, I I prefer them to probably be a bit creative and be a bit more flexible. So you might find that in my blog, sometimes I've, at some point I was blogging about 3D programming and over the last year or so, I've been writing a lot on languages and compilers and interpreters. And maybe in the next six months, six, six months, I move to something different and try something different. But for me, that works. For me, it works to be flexible or to just find something you like but also i'd say 
on the other hand, that you also, well, at least I, I, I know in my case, I also wouldn't want to be jumping around too frequently because things take time. It takes time to actually learn something and learn it well. So at least a couple months I, I put into trying to learn about some particular topic and not move around too frequently. Mm. So like in a week, for instance, do you have like, uh, with, do you split your week into, since you said that sometimes you, you can work on multiple ideas um, at the same time, like do you split your week into, okay, maybe Monday, I'm going to work on this, Saturday, I'm going to work on this. Do you have any form of schedule like that? I, I, I think my, my schedule is Vibe. I, I work on vibe-based schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't really have a rigid type of schedule, I should say. I I have I probably have I have some notes around for things I want to do and continue doing, like books I want to finish up on or blog posts I need to finish reading or topics I need to do a little research on or explore. But I, I don't have a rigid time and I, I probably don't like very rigid schedules because they tend to become boring over time but keeping it just a little open that over the next few months i want to finish this book or i want to follow this topic and try to stick to having a little wiggle room works best for me but like i mentioned also it's important for people generally they're going to take this as an example to find what works for them for someone it might be best to have some kind of schedule that keeps them on track with what they're trying to accomplish but for some other people it might be it might help to be a bit more flexible nice there's a course on Coursera oh nice course on Coursera <laughs> that uh, teaches on how to learn uh, I think it's called learning to learn mental models to help you some 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 something like that. So they teach about like two major types of learning, like two modes in which your brain is when you're learning diffused and uh, I think something like concentrated way. So when you're concentrating, like you're you're using like all your focus on one thing, right? And then the diffuse mode is when you're when you're not concentrating, your brain is actually still like maybe learning. For instance, when you're sleeping, your brain is like maybe joining ideas that you wouldn't join normally if you're conscious, right? So do you think, um, like based on this now, uh, how do you think it has played in your uh, adventures of learning? Do you have periods where maybe you, you concentrate so, so hard on something, but it's still not working, and then you go take a nap or something, and then all of a sudden, all the ideas that you were trying to you know, generate start coming? Yeah, I, I I think I think that's a good point actually that there are two kind yeah there are two modes of learning something. So I think definitely I try to make time for the first mode, which is for for having a focused period. So I I think I'm a bit of a morning person. The the crafting interpreters book, for example, that was making my way through and um, building programming languages along with I I worked on it mostly in the mornings. So I, I wake up most days except maybe Saturdays I wake up before seven or something and I spend maybe an hour before work or before I have to do other things. An hour, maybe a little more 
hacking on the language. So for 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 that time, I try to, even though sometimes, as you would probably guess, sometimes I spend some of the time scrolling through Twitter or trying to check Hacker News or trying to do some other activities, and it doesn't quite work out. But I I do intentionally try to make out some time to focus and try to work on something and and have a bit of an extended period building something or learn about something that always helps but yeah just like you said there's a second mode where i'm not exactly trying to focus on what i'm learning but for example i'm writing some javascript or something else and then it just clicks that oh this thing that i learned about how languages get compiled makes sense in terms of what i'm building and something else clicks into place so yeah, there's definitely that distinction between two different two different ones. Yeah, so so would you say uh it makes sense for for you to take a break when something gets too hard for you to crack? Definitely, yeah. I, I, I think most most people who would most people who face those kinds of problems or get stuck in in their work as most people do would would tell you yes that it helps take a break it helps to sleep sleep on it and wake up the next day and go again or to take a walk or to take a run and come back to what you're what you're working on yeah. did what are some of your favorite programming books and podcasts that you listen to or it doesn't even have to I be think... programming it could be anything actually Okay, for 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 books, I think the I've I've mentioned it so many times on 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 this on this already, but crafting interpreters crafting interpreters has been yeah has been has <laughs> been one of and and it's, it's it's not just because of a recency bias, but I I think it's one of the most well put together books I've ever seen. No, so to yeah, to, to explain why that is, for example, some, some things about it just intrigue or I, I find quite quite fascinating. For example, the author also draws. So all the illustrations in the book were done by him, for one. And then he also built out this... He, he also wrote a program to build the book such that he makes sure that the code at every point in time works fine. What? Right. So you you know you know the way a book is laid out is you in each chapter the author is building out the final program at the end of the book, right? Yeah. And writing mm-hmm. writing code snippets to tell you what lines to add and where mm-hmm. and what files to change and what lines to replace. And he wrote this program I just found a little interesting that that annotates the code such that it it shows you at chapter one, this is the state of the final thing and it works fine. And he writes tests that at this point we've implemented strings and there are tests on strings. And in chapter two, we've added this new feature. Anyway, I just found that quite interesting as a way to write a book that's not just writing 
plain text, but also making sure that the code is actually accurate and very tiny things about the book have have made me like it like it very well. But also there's a there's a there's a book I've I also like. It's called Code. Plain code C O D E. Code the hidden language of software, I think. The hidden language of software code. And I can't remember the name of the author now, but the what I liked about the book is it, it builds programming from ground up. So in the very first chapter, the author talks about or, or gives an illustration of two children who were communicating by flashing a torchlight across their houses. And they came up with a weird kind of language where they flash the touchlights touch to tell themselves how are you or something or to communicate between themselves and he uses that as a way to explain Morse code or explain binary type of communication with yes and no or ones and zeros and from that very primitive form of communication he goes through how logic logic gates work and or not gates work he goes through how processors and computers work and finally builds it up until you get to an actual computer. So it takes you through the entire process of, in some ways, the history of computers and how computers got A brief history of computers. Yeah, a brief history of computers, but also a a build-up of the workings of computers. So I found it quite interesting as well because it's, it's the kind of thing that, especially if you didn't study computer science formally it helps fill in a lot of gaps you might have about how computers work if you're if you're someone who's worked as a software engineer for a long time but you've over time been on or you've worked on a high level and you want to learn more about more about the in-depth workings of computers how they came how they came to be from more primitive types of machines to what they are now is very helpful. Yeah, so so code code would be, I'd, I'd say my second favorite programming book of all time. For programming podcasts, I should I say inside the techo system. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're sleek? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not really a programming <laughs> podcast per se. We don't. Yeah. We, we talk about programming sometimes, but we're more of a more times than not, actually. Yeah, yeah. but like... By the way, don't worry. People who study computer science, see, we don't know computer science. Speak for yourself. That book is, is also for us. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I was saying that I, I don't really listen to that many... I don't really listen to programming podcasts, but I like Lex Le- Friedman, by the way, who is... Which which isn't a like run podcast, which isn't a programming podcast, is more general purpose technology. Yeah. I think Emmanuel likes with science. Yeah, I, I was gonna say yeah. that too. Uh but he said it the same way I was gonna say it. <laughs> By the way, I like Lex Friedman's podcast. What does he talk yeah, about, like, please? I'm curious. He talks about everything, but I think he talks a lot about um he speaks with guests that are like top on their field. So every episode brings like a very 
different topic and they go very deep like three hours so, wow yeah wow. it's yeah it's 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 one of my favorite things actually it was, it was one of the first and probably only podcast i knew that would go on for that long so some of the episodes like i probably started liking it when i listened to a three-hour episode i was like oh my god I just spent three hours <laughs> and enjoyed listening to wow, someone that's... talk about his field or her field yeah. for what's your favorite for three hours or four hours. So could you say that again? Your favorite episode so far. I liked I've hmm, I, I don't know if I have one favorite, but I've liked a couple guests. I liked when Brett um, Eric Weinstein came on. I think he's been on two or three times to talk about some of the work he 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 has been doing. There's. I also liked when Elon obviously came on as well and talked about Elon Elon stuff. That was pretty good. I've also liked some of the philosophy types. I I, I can't quite remember some of the some of the names, but there was. They've, they've they've been they've been some of them on existentialism, which is yeah. one of I'll say Lex's interesting topics yeah. where he talks about like Russian literature and Dostoevsky. There's a word he says a lot. I think uh, beautiful dance. He's always saying something yeah. like it's a beautiful dance between this and that. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's a very good guest. I, Sorry, I, a very I've, good interviewer. I, I I think I know my favorite episode now. I, I I know I know the one I'll call my favorite episode. It would be the one he had with his father, and they they talked about also. yeah they talked about his background and growing up, and yeah it was it, it's it's by far my favorite because I finished and I was like yeah that was that was very that was very beautiful. So his yeah. father is <laughs> yeah I think his father is a professor. I'm not sure what university his art but if i remember correctly he he's a professor of some plasma plasma science science yeah, of, yeah. yeah yeah plasma and super there's a, there's a term for it super cool fluids or something of that sort and he talked about his education and growing up in russia so the friedmans are russian jews and he talked talked about their background and some of the things he he likes to do growing up and a very funny part I remember from that episode was where he talked about how he met Lexi's mother. And I think he memorized some poems or songs and was... Yeah. Poetry. Yeah, it was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poetry, poetry was, was quite a big part of his life. And mm. he talked about how he was... Yeah, um, reciting poetry and singing for for his mother and it was just a beautiful episode all around so scientists you guys can hear you can find love to step away from the computer <laughs> for a bit <laughs> i'm actually curious if you plan to do maybe pursue like further your education a little bit i don't know if you have a master's now or if you're working on that or you want to get a phd because you look like someone that's you know um I don't know. I don't know how much into academics you are. I'm academia you are, but like, you know, reading a 600 page book about interpreters is pretty, um, 
<laughs> it's pretty it's pretty serious so i i'd like to know if you'd like to go further and maybe do your master's get a phd or be a professor at the end of the day it's something i've considered for a while and i'm not completely sure what the answer is still i'll say my parents definitely want me to go back to school and be a doctor and be dr dr chidi williams Hey, but I, I <laughs> kind of sounds I, nice. So. I, I don't know if I would. It's, As a nice it does. I'll, I'll, i admit the the question is more towards if it is worth the effort for mm. it to sound nice. Other things, so many things sound nice. A lot of things sound nice. But <laughs> is it worth the <laughs> the investment and time I'll spend trying mm. to get it? But mm. it's something that I I'm so considering. Maybe I might. Mm. at some point go back to the masters maybe phd but at the time or at, at this time i'm not i'm not completely sure it was also something i considered quite strongly and i almost went towards straight out of uni in my fourth year i actually wrote the gre trying to apply for scholarships in the u.s and apply for phd programs and master's programs in in the u.s and in europe but then I got a job offer and decided to just go with that instead of going going back to school. At the time, going to actually work as a software engineer just looked like Made a better next step than yeah. going to school. But yeah. it's been a while since then and things have somewhat changed. So it's possible that when I think about it again, I might end up Going back to school. Mm. So, do you think so? There, there, there are people who are not in academia, but they do write like really solid papers in computer science. I think Jeff Dean from Google. I don't think he's in academia, but he has produced crazy um, papers. The Big Table, BigQuery, those technologies from Google. He's like the one of the major guys there. So, do you think it's something you would like to do? Like, even if you don't go into academia be able to write um, papers and come up with, like, invent new stuff for the computer science field? I, I mean, think it it's nice possible, also. but it's quite... Yeah, it, it sounds nice, but I'll admit that it's difficult. It works for... It works in cases like Jeff Dean, who is obviously a really, an extremely smart person, but it, it works in his case i'll think because he's at google and he's an environment that encourages google has a big research community and research organization within the google research and they have people who are actually academics and people who aren't but work closely with the academics and if you're in that kind of environment yes you would you would tend to produce academic work in computer science yeah. and, and so yeah. on but but just like you said, yes, it's true that there are people who do that kind of academic study outside academia, but it's a lot harder except you're in somewhere that has a big research vision and drive, maybe work mm. with Google or OpenAI or similar. Yeah, it actually does make sense. So I, I think even some of the, the papers uh, will be joint written by someone in academia. I suspect there's, there's a guy called Sanjay. He's also one of the people that I used to write with Jeff Dean. 
I suspect he might be in academia. Aside from the programming podcast and titles you um, give us, are there other books like outside tech, like completely outside tech, maybe like philosophy or because you mentioned philosophy uh, that you that you really like? Of course they are, but something in, in, in terms of books, so, so one of the one of the more interesting books I've because when when you ask for my favorites, for example, sometimes it's really hard to go through the list and try to think of the favorites one or two. But I'll 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 say over the last year, there have been a couple of interests I've had and and followed and tried to try to read about. But for example, I, I really like some of the writings of James Karst, who who was a professor, I think it was a professor of something like professor of the culture of religion or something something of that sort. But he writes just generally about religion and culture. Or, or mm-hmm. he used to or he, he was a writer about religion and culture and all that. But he wrote a book called Finite and Infinite Games that I, I really like. And he talks about his more general philosophy. I I it's more general philosophy. Um and I quite liked his book. I also liked I recently I also recently 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 been in the last four or five months read Great Gatsby, which sounds weird, That's but the, I didn't the, actually the watch the book of the movie, yeah. right? The book oh, of the yeah, movie, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't actually watch The Great Gatsby when well, everybody else watched Thanks. it. I, I only watched it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean I mean I mean good company then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I only read it I only read it in the last five, six months, I think. And I, I, I really I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I, I've been trying to read more and more fiction. And that was that was one of the ones I started started out with. So yeah, I I, I quite enjoyed it. That's nice. Do you know this book uh, that Elon Musk cites a lot? Something about Galaxy. I think the Hitchhiker's Guide. The Galaxy. Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I've, 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 I've had a lot of references to it, but I've never read it myself. Yeah, it's something that I also want to read. Yeah. All right, Chidi. Thank you so much for coming on this episode with us and talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, especially things that are important to you and you know personal life stuff it was really awesome having you here we've come to the end of the episode actually uh, but before we dismiss our guests or before I let our, before we let our guests go we usually ask a very very important question uh it's very serious and we'd like you to take your time to think about it are you ready <laughs> i i guess i guess so yeah i am okay so uh the question we usually ask every guest that comes here is what would you be doing if you were not in tech? Uh, you never got that CD from your dad. You never went to Computer Village. <laughs> you never um, stayed back for programming school. You, in fact, you never saw Benjamin Dada writing Laravel. What would you be doing if you never got any introduction <laughs> to tech whatsoever? And you were just like, you're just Chidi Williams. It would with no background. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah. After the smoke incident, after the smoke incident, he said, nah. So like, what would you be doing if you're not in tech, if you had no technical background whatsoever? 
So, well, 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 one answer is the one you started, started out with, which is I would, I would probably be an electrical engineer. Okay, maybe not the smoke kind or the <laughs> kind, but I'll probably have been some kind of electrical slash electronics engineer. That's that's probably where well where I'd have, have been. I I don't think I would have stayed very far from STEM in general. Okay. If at all, I wasn't in. I wasn't in tech. So yes, probably somewhere around engineering in general. Maybe not software, but a, okay. a more hardware in quotes kind of engineer. All right. All right. Thank you for your answer. Uh, we've had really, really weird answers in the past, but this is this is this is still. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> no, there was there, there was there was a there was a brief moment where we I considered being a doctor, I think, but it never it never really worked. I was I I wasn't like going to be doc, doctor. Like I, medical I don't doctor. think I would have. Yeah, medical. Yeah, oh yeah, a medical doctor. I don't think I would have made a good one. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember, we release new episodes every other Wednesday and you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you would love to connect with us, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Inside the Techos or subscribe to our newsletter and shoot us an email at insidethecosystem at gmail.com. We love hearing from our listeners. You can follow the host on Twitter as well, uh, Chuka at Siwadiogu and Emmanuel at Olalua underscore 98. All right, see you in the next one. <laughs>